If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight in America, fires and floods. We're following the historic, life-threatening rain as Hurricane Sally nears landfall. Mississippi's governor calls this dangerous storm the real deal, and residents on the Gulf Coast are urged to get out while they can. Five million acres scorched in the West, and the fire still raging more than a week later. Nearly two dozen people missing in Oregon as smoke from the fires reaches New York City. Record-breaking settlement. The city of Louisville pays Breonna Taylor's family $12 million. What does it mean for possible charges against the three officers who shot the 26-year-old in her home? Landmark agreements. Israel and two Arab nations agree to normalize relations. What the Trump administration's deal does and doesn't do. Breaking news. A standoff in Los Angeles. We'll have the latest. 2020, America decides battle for the Latino vote. Joe Biden makes his first trip to Florida as he tries to shore up a key constituency. Wedding outbreak. Tonight, a coronavirus super spreading event linked to an indoor reception in Maine. How it led to more than 170 cases and seven deaths. Tonight, the new health feature announced by Apple and why the tech company is getting into fitness streaming. And a story of bravery, how an 18-year-old summoned the courage to rescue a mother and three children from a burning car. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with breaking news tonight. The National Hurricane Center is warning more than 10 million Americans along the Gulf Coast to expect extreme life-threatening and historic flooding in the next 12 hours. As Hurricane Sally continues churning just south of Alabama, forecasters say the unpredictable storm could now dump several feet of rain from Louisiana to Florida when it roars ashore near Mobile Bay, Alabama, tomorrow morning, trapping homes and people under fast-moving floodwaters and a six-foot storm surge. As we come on the air, the outer bands of Sally are already lashing parts of the coast, and the storm could spin off tornadoes later tonight. Well, Sally is proving to be a challenge to predict, changing her speed and intensity several times over the past 24 hours. And tonight, forecasters are warning she could have more surprises in store. Well, there's a lot of new reporting and the latest forecast to get to tonight. We've got our team of correspondents standing by. CBS's David Begno is going to lead our fire coverage in Pensacola Beach, Florida. Good evening, David. Good evening, Norris. Storm surge from the Gulf of Mexico is pushing the Gulf into Pensacola Beach, where the flooding has already begun. This storm is 500 miles wide, and wind is not the biggest concern, believe it or not. It's the water. 
That's why over the next six hours, this area is going to get two months worth of rainfall. Tonight, Hurricane Sally is churning toward the Gulf Coast, already pounding everything in its path. This massive Category 1 storm is moving slowly, giving it additional time to gather strength and become even more dangerous. Well, I'm kind of scared just a little bit because I'm on the beach. For a lot of people, this was a day of nervous anticipation. I'm just not trying to go back over the bridge because the wind had my heart shaking. Winds are already 80 miles per hour, but heavy rain and severe flooding are the biggest threats all the way from the eastern tip of Louisiana to the Florida Panhandle. The hurricane is expected to finally make landfall tomorrow morning around Dauphin Island, Alabama, where protective dunes have already begun to give way. Just north of Dauphin Island, Mobile is a ghost town. Streets are empty and buildings are boarded up everywhere. Tonight, there's already widespread damage in multiple states. These two riverboat casinos in Alabama floated away. And one of the two main highways in Pensacola Beach closed after a barge that was carrying heavy equipment broke loose and crashed into the bridge. Some people fled the coastline earlier today, but for others, it's too late. They're stuck. We can't do anything about it. We can't get out. We, you know, so... You know, when we got here earlier today, a portion of the dock there broke off, apparently, because of the storm, which is one of the slowest-moving hurricanes on record to affect this part of the Gulf Coast. Nor, we're told, the rain will continue for the next 24 hours and then some. All right, David Begno there. Thank you. Now let's bring in CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Good evening, Lonnie. So what's the latest update from the National Hurricane Center? Okay, Nora, the latest update is this storm has slowed down so much. You just heard David talking about it. It's now crawling at only two miles per hour. Consequently, all right, it's moving so slowly, it's giving the northern edge more time to interact with the land, so some friction has actually weakened it. Winds are now at 80 miles per hour. This is not going to be a Cat 2 or a borderline Cat 3 coming on shore. It will be a Cat 1, quickly downgraded to a tropical storm. Landfall could be as early as 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. could be 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to put down a lot of rain because it has so much time to accumulate that water in the rain gauges. A foot and a half around Pensacola, two feet or more. I heard 30 inches possibly just to the east of Mobile, and all of that water, it's got to go somewhere. It will go into the rivers. Every purple dot that you see here is a river that could be cresting at record heights because of all of this water. This is a storm that will be defined by the water, not necessarily the wind. Nora? All right, Lonnie Quinn, thank you. We're going to turn now to the deadly wildfires in the West. Smoke from dozens of major fires has drifted all the way across the country and is casting a haze in New York City. Oregon has set up its first mobile morgue. More than 20 people in that state are missing. And the governor told the state to brace for a mass casualty event. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Oh, my God. Across Oregon, so many are wondering, when will it end? The fires keep raging, the smoke unrelenting, the damage indescribable. It's just a devastating situation. Major William Hayden is with the Oregon National Guard, here to protect the town of Phoenix, his town. This is wiped clean. And this is so fresh, the smells are here. The devastation, it's really even hard to fathom. Amid the ruins, cadaver dogs search for at least 22 people who are missing. And across Oregon are scenes like this. One home survives, those around it are leveled. Pretty tough stuff. The air so hazardous that one in 10 ER visits in the state are related to wildfire smoke. We know that air quality can worsen asthma or COPD, lead to increased heart attacks. 
The scale of the damage so immense, the town of Talent, Oregon, is echoed throughout the West, where dozens of major wildfires continue to burn. In Southern California, the Bobcat Fire exploding again. And a new battlefront on the mountaintop. Firefighters now trying to save the iconic Mount Wilson Observatory. Back in Oregon, the threat remains everywhere, and patience is wearing thin. I'm sick of it, man. We're ready to get this stuff out. If I have to evacuate again, man, I'm, I'm moving out of the state. The fire ripped through so quickly, there were no evacuation orders. And tonight, there's a very real concern. Not everyone made it out alive. Neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood looks like this. Thousands of homes have been lost as search crews continue to look through all of the rubble. Nora. Jonathan, I know you've covered firefighters for these fires for years. Have you ever seen anything like this? When it comes to the number of towns lost, Nora, no, I've never seen anything like it. And one man told me it was like a tidal wave of flames, and that's exactly what it looks like happened here. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. Today, the city of Louisville, Kentucky, said it will pay its largest settlement ever in a police misconduct case. $12 million will go to the family of Breonna Taylor, the young African-American woman who was shot to death by police in her home in March. The city is also pledging new police reforms. CBS's Adrika Duncan is in Louisville tonight. We don't get it. Shut it Outside Louisville's Metro Hall, there were cheers of support for an emotional Tamika Palmer, Brianna Taylor's mother. Inside, she received an apology from the mayor. I cannot begin to imagine Ms. Palmer's pain, and I'm deeply, deeply sorry for Brianna's death. The $12 million settlement is one of the largest in the country, involving a police shooting death. But six months after Taylor was fatally shot five times during a no-knock warrant raid, no officer has been charged. We still are demanding that Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron bring charges immediately against the police officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. Taylor's death has sparked more than 100 days of protest, and today's settlement includes family demands on search warrant reforms and social workers added to some 911 calls. Today, I felt like pressure was applied. Late today, we spoke to Taylor's mother. I don't think what I've asked for has been anything other than what she deserves, and it's been justice from all along. And demonstrators out here once again tonight in honor of Brianna Taylor. Brianna's mother just arrived here moments ago. She said she wants to keep the focus now on that criminal investigation, calling on the attorney general to make a decision involving those officers who were involved in that fatal shooting that night. Nora. Tarika Duncan, thank you. President Trump is calling it the dawn of a new Middle East. For the first time in more than a quarter century, Israel has signed a diplomatic accord with Arab neighbors. But before the ink was dry, there were already signs that Israel still has enemies in the region and they aren't celebrating. Here's CBS's Paula Reed. President Trump called Israel's normalization of ties with Bahrain and the UAE the beginning of a new era in the region. We're here this afternoon to change the course of history. After decades of division and conflict, we mark the dawn of a new Middle East. 
The administration hopes the agreement signals a realignment in the Middle East, as Arab nations once committed to Palestinian statehood now move to solidify their ties with Israel. Only two other Arab states, Jordan and Egypt, have done so. President Trump was unable to achieve a peace deal between the Israelis and the Palestinians. He framed today's accord as an equally historic peace deal, one that he hopes will appeal to evangelical and Jewish voters. You're going to have peace without blood in the sand. For years, you had blood in the sand. That's all you had, blood in the sand. You got nothing for it. But it's more of a business deal than a peace accord. The three countries are not engaged in armed conflict. The agreement means greater diplomatic and economic ties between them. Rob Malley was a Middle East advisor in the Obama administration. It is not bringing peace to the extent that the war or the conflict that exists today is between Israelis and Palestinians. They were not at the table. They were not involved. They feel alienated by and marginalized from this event. That was on display in Gaza, where protesters condemned the accord and the Israeli military said the Palestinians had fired two rockets into its airspace. And we want to bring in Paula Reed now from the White House. And I understand, Paula, there's some news tonight about the top aide who is accused of altering CDC reports. What can you tell us? That's right, Nora. There are reports tonight that the president could soon lose one of his key messengers on coronavirus. Health and Human Services spokesman Michael Caputo is facing intense criticism for trying to alter that data coming out of the CDC to more accurately fit the president's narrative. Now there are reports he may be leaving his post. Caputo tells CBS News he is facing mental health challenges. Nora. His position under fire tonight. Paula Reed, thank you. We turn now to America Decides 2020. Tonight, Joe Biden is shoring up support in Florida. Democrats worry he isn't doing well enough with Latinos there and that he can't win the state without them. Hillary Clinton did better with that key group back in 2016 than Biden is doing now. And she still lost the Sunshine State by one point. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Biden is hosting an event kicking off Hispanic Heritage Month tonight in Orlando. And on his way there, he defended his standing with Latinos, saying that he would be a better president for them because of his focus on three key areas, health care, education and immigration. Nora. All right, Ed O'Keefe, thank you. Now to the coronavirus pandemic. Cases in the U.S. now top six and a half million. The virus has killed more than 195,000 Americans. Today, we learned that an indoor wedding in Maine last month became a super spreader event. It's now linked to 176 infections and seven deaths. It's remarkable because the state of Maine has had relatively few cases. And tonight, we want to show you about a small college there that is having great success in curbing the spread of COVID on campus. Here's CBS's Dr. John LaPook. As one college after another suffers an outbreak of coronavirus, a small campus in Maine hopes to be different. The plan centers on a key ingredient, aggressive testing. Clayton Rose is Bowdoin's president. We're going to test them every other day for the first two weeks and then twice a week thereafter. Results come back quickly, within a day. In the second week, testing picked up two infected students who had no symptoms. They and their four contacts were housed separately. So far, senior Alex Antaktak has tested negative. You're kind of part of an experiment, aren't you? Yeah, you know, there's a lot at stake, but at the same time exciting. I think this is a historic time. Just 670 of Bowdoin's 2,000 students, mostly freshmen, are back on campus. Aside from some writing seminars that meet under tents, instruction is all online. I've got my... 
molecule kit here with me. Definitely hard to do Zoom classes, but one perk, I can eat breakfast during class. It's the density, the safety practices, and the testing practices that are the three legs to our stool. Safety measures include upgraded ventilation and gatherings limited to small numbers. But other campuses have struggled with compliance. It's very unfortunate and disheartening to see images of students at bars. So I'm really trying my best to uh, lead by example. Is there part of you that's thinking we're building the engine as the plane is taking off? No questioning. That's what every college and university in this country is doing, struggling with this challenge. A high-stakes challenge to keep students safe. Dr. John LaPook, CBS News, Brunswick, Maine. Want to give you an update of some dramatic video that's coming in tonight from Los Angeles, where law enforcement have a home surrounded inside is believed to be a carjacking suspect. You can see there is a heavy police presence outside. Officers have evacuated the immediate vicinity and are hoping to resolve the situation without any violence. And there is late word from Phoenix. Police have made an arrest in a drive-by shooting outside the federal courthouse. A security officer with the marshal service was struck in the protective vest and is expected to recover. This comes days after two sheriff's deputies were wounded in an ambush shooting in Compton, California. Tonight, the search continues for the suspect in that attack. Poisoned, oppos- poisoned Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny is recovering. In a social media post today, Navalny says he's now breathing without the help of a ventilator. He posed with family from his hospital bed in Berlin, where he was taken after suddenly falling ill in Russia last month. Despite being poisoned, Navalny plans to return home to Russia, he says, when he is able. Apple launched the new iPad Air today, along with a new watch that can measure blood oxygen levels. Apple also unveiled a new virtual fitness service that allows you to use an Apple watch to try workouts with the world's top fitness trainers. The iPhone 12 is expected to be unveiled later this fall. Five lives were changed in the blink of an eye last week in Waterbury, Connecticut. Four people got a second chance as a hero emerged with no time to spare. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. Minutes before this now blackened car erupted in flames, the instinct and bravery of this teenager, Justin Gavin, saved the lives of the mother and three young children inside. I was pulling everybody out the car. The high school senior says when he saw the burning car, he did not hesitate to risk his own life. I was me in that situation. I would definitely want someone to do the same thing. So I just did what I thought was right. What were you feeling in that moment? My heart dropped. I'm not even going to lie. My heart dropped. To acknowledge uh, this heroic act that, that you... The uh, Waterbury, Connecticut police today. chief honored the young uh, hero for his courage. I'm not going to take it for granted. Cause Justin says this experience has been life-changing. What do you want people to learn from your actions? My grandma used to always say, don't judge a book by its cover. And that's what people used to do to me. There's a whole lot of good in, in people, and it's the truth. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. That is the truth. And Justin says he wants to be a Marine or a first responder. And the local police offered him a job working with the homeless. And on tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we're going to meet a 19-year-old college student who is co-piloting a helicopter with her father to help fight the Western wildfires. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.